On a return visit to The Antidote is Josh and Tim Iman of Easter Teeth. Guys, thanks for coming. Thanks for, thanks having, for us. having us. The last time you were on The Antidote, I neglected to ask you guys the important question. Which of you is the evil brother? <laughs> uh, probably me. Probably Josh. <laughs> Okay, so what's the most evil thing that's ever happened? I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) I know what it is. It's when I was five and you were six and you threw that airplane at my lip and I had to go to the hospital. That was you. (laughs) Oh, I threw it at you? Yeah, you threw it at me. I'm the one with the scar to prove it. Oh, that's right. So I'm the evil one. You're the evil one, at least when we were little kids. (laughs) (laughs) wow man we're old if i got that story all the way backwards you were like playing a trick on me i was like dude that was you i had to get stitches yeah you're right i remember now um you don't have to use that dave but now i can we can just play the lawyer bit you know if you've (laughs) been injured in an accident call me right now well, you know, our, our uh, original band name was Larry H. Parker and the 2.1 Million. That is named after one of the original ambulance chaser lawyers in the Southern California area. <laughs> yeah, that was like his big case. His big win was he got this guy, Cedric, $2.1 million back in like 1980 or something. <laughs> so at the end of every ad for like, 30 years, this guy would pop up and go, Larry H. Parker got me 2.1 million. <laughs> and so every kid in Southern California knows what we're referring to. <laughs> that was your band name. And then you made the switch to Easter Teeth. Well, yeah. back then we only played here in town. And we had a bunch of friends who would play. We would just play like parties and stuff. And any friends of ours that were there, you know, we would have them play bongos and tambourines and cowbell and kazoo and triangle and whatever else we needed for a song. So they were the 2.1 million. (laughs) 2.1 million band members. Yeah. Well, now it's just the two of you. And Easter Teeth is interesting because it blends noise rock, post-punk, funk, soul, and indie rock. Is it fair to call your music odd? I tend to call it incredible. (laughs) <laughs> i'm just offended dave that's what i'm here for to offend <laughs> everyone that i can <laughs> tim is the offended one in the band <laughs> takes everything personally how dare you we thought we were making the mainstream poppy thing possible you guys were probably misinformed that canadians are always polite because we're actually evil deep down inside <laughs> well i've met some jerk canadians don't worry Well, let's talk about that style. It does come out on the new Easter Teeth release. You even gave it a unique name. So why don't you guys announce the album title? Josh, tell us about this album. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't remember what the actual title (laughs) of the album is. (laughs) Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go. The album is titled Covers. Oh. I need to know, like, how did you ever dream that up? <laughs> well, well, Dave, if I you give it a listen, you may 
quickly realized that none of the songs were written by us, which in the industry is called a cover song. (laughs) (laughs) And that is why you guys are here, because this is the fifth in a series of cover song episodes on The Antidote. But Easter Teeth is the first guest I've asked this question. Why cover songs? What's the appeal? Well, actually, there's a very practical reason. So you may know we're on a hiatus since July of, what was it, 2018? And uh, we had like a, a stash of money left over at that time that we were squirreling away for down the road if we wanted to you know, pay somebody to record us. And then we had the brilliant idea, why don't we just buy some microphones ourselves and buy an an audio interface and buy a DAW and just learn how to record. So that's what we did. And then because we're so lazy and wanted to really kind of continue this hiatus, we thought it would be much easier for us to learn how to record Uh, cover songs that we don't have to arrange from the beginning. So, you know, we had a number that we already played out on the road for the last decade. So we started with those, but then there were a few songs we just really, really wanted to, to learn and add to the full lineup. So that's where, um, you know, super bad came in and I can't go for that and talking heads. And um, of course, Bounce, rock, skate, roll. We had to do that one. Possibly the greatest <laughs> song of all time. <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt about it. You guys messaged me a few weeks ago about the covers album and included your cover of Hollow Notes. I can't go for that. Do people actually like Hollow Notes? Uh, people with good taste actually like Hollow Notes. <laughs> well, that bumps me out. Yeah, I've got to confess. This is Tim. Um, I'm not really a fan, but Josh's love for Hall and Oates, I couldn't turn him down. So he got Hall and Oates, and I got the um, Pedro the Lion song. That was kind of the deal. I still have to understand about Hall and Oates. Like, is this music obsession all to do with that childhood injury? <laughs> oh, actually, I'm, I don't even like most Hall and Oates songs. That song's all right, though. Hollow Notes is more a joke because if you read like 80s magazine interviews with them and whatnot, they considered themselves to be soul music, which <laughs> is, is just incredible to me. So I felt that since we are also soul music, we should probably cover one of the greatest soul songs of all time. <laughs> I can't go for that by Hollow Notes. <laughs> Plus, you know, they're arguably the greatest duo of all time. So being a duo ourselves, we, you know, there's this natural gravitation. We're kindred spirits. The interesting thing about covers is that many bands try to make their cover songs sound exactly like the original song, but that wasn't your route. Well, we're not capable of making the song sound like the original song. Yeah, I mean, we wanted them to sound like Easter Teeth. Uh, I didn't even want them to sound like Easter Teeth. I just knew we don't have a guitar player. (laughs) (laughs) There, There is always that hurdle to get around. So, you know, what instruments are we going to use to replace the guitar parts in all of these cover songs? 
That was also, neither of us can sing. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you brought that up because, I mean, some of the songs on covers are way out of character for Easter Teeth. But one that fits perfectly is James Brown's Superbad. It's all you. This is pure funk. Yeah, and that was actually, I think, the one that I was the most nervous about doing. You know, um, we, we learned how to play that so that we could perform it live, but then never did. Um, we learned that at the same time that we learned Life and Limb, the Fugazi song. Um, but we weren't quite comfortable enough to show it off live. So to put it on the album, you know, um, I really wanted to do it justice we didn't want to embarrass ourselves trying to you know do our best imitation of the godfather of soul but i was pretty proud of how it came out so we went ahead and added it to the to the track list we also just figured since we had spent 10 years describing ourselves as james brown if you just screamed and yelled everything and used distorted bass for all of the instruments so we figured we'd finally run that out and actually see what it looks like or sounds like. That's the unusual thing about Easter Teeth. No guitar. No guitar, no problems. No guitar, no problem. Just having a good time playing music without any egotistical guitar players. <laughs> <laughs> and you're all going to take this back to the 1970s and do the big bass solos. I hope so. <laughs> I think Jim's potentially the next Peter Cetera. Wow, that is quite an honor. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm flattered. I don't know what to say. I'll just say I did it all for the glory of love. Yes. <laughs> you need to tell us, though, was the album just a lockdown boredom breaker? You know, we had already started it before any of this COVID stuff happened. Um, and then we just kind of accelerated the process during the, the lockdown, you know, that kind of gave us the, the flexibility and time to get it done quicker. And we thought, you know, people will en enjoy it sitting there in their bomb shelters. <laughs> well, here's another question where you've got to be truthful. Was the covers release more fun than putting out your own original music? <laughs> I thought it was more fun just because it was less work. Yeah, less pressure. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't even listen to our albums when they come out for a long time after it's done. Because I'm so sick of mixing it and having to hear the same parts of songs over and over. Whereas this was way faster and easier to do. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, because we did everything ourselves from from start to finish, uh, it was a lot more fun. We weren't under any pressure time-wise. We weren't paying anybody else to do it. Um, and, you know, we could kind of talk things through as we were in the studio and arrange it as we were going. So it was a different dynamic than it usually was to be recorded by somebody else. Well, you've already mentioned that you saved all this money by doing it strictly DIY. What are the odds of seeing a covers part two come along? I wouldn't say it's out of the question, you know, because we're always talking about other songs that we would love 
to learn like Belle Biv DeVoe, for instance, you know, another one of the greats in the rock world. <laughs> We're sticking to Boston's finest, a little Ralph Tresvant or Johnny Gill. Yeah, the all of, we want to do a covers album that's all the solo work of each of the members of New Edition. That's the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a little Tony, Tony, Tony in there? Yeah. Actually, who who did we really actually want to cover? Like Prince, maybe? There were some songs we were talking about from that. Taylor Dane. Uh, no, that was always <laughs> just the booze talking. Don't lie, Josh. Don't lie. Um, <laughs> well... We started learning um, uh, Freddy's Dead, that um, Curtis, oh, yeah, Mayfield. That Curtis Mayfield song. There are a bunch of other like James Brown songs or, or whatnot that would be good, too. So who knows? Bottom line, who knows? Oh, Superstition. We've talked about that. Oh, yeah. And then we realized that we, we learned three or four Death From Above 1979 songs, and then we forgot about those. Well, you've got to include Death from Above 1979, because that is one of my favorites. Seems a little on the nose, though. Yeah, that would be a post-punk duo doing a post-punk duo. Seems to fit, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Which makes us not like it so much. One thing for sure is that Covers really is a fun album. Josh, Tim, thanks for coming for this talk. Thanks for having us, Dave. It was a lot of fun to talk to you again. Thanks, Dave.